I want to invite you to open your Bible to Psalm 66. I'm not sure what had happened to the uh, psalmist here to cause them to be inspired to such beautiful praise and expressions of, of connection to God through this praise. But something has happened and has gotten the attention of the psalmist. And now there are going to be some incredible words and insights shared with us from these words of this song. It is absolutely amazing how God inspires us through the idea of thanksgiving. I want to ask you a question. How many of you, how many of you like turkey? Just raise your hand. You're a turkey person. How many of you like light meat? How many of you are dark meat? Yes. Yeah. Uh, how many of you like cranberry? Homemade cranberry, canned, hallelujah, all of my amigos, all my friends, <laughs> I hate the real stuff. I love the canned stuff. I don't know what they do like that. They know how to make it. It is awesome. So Pam, she never has to, the other's too acidic. I hate it. Just slice it up or don't even slice, just put a straw in. I can start it. That stuff is good. It is awesome. I like that stuff. Yeah, that's good. How many of you like leftovers the first day? How many of you like them the second day? How many the fifth day? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, I remember one guy, he, he prayed a prayer. Uh, they asked him to return thanks, and it was a meal. They had already had a meal earlier with the same stuff. And he said, as he was returning thanks, he said, Lord, I can't help but wish we'd have been more hungry the first time. <laughs> Wouldn't have to eat these leftovers. But uh, I think it's good to eat leftovers. Some things are better leftover. What about uh, spaghetti or lasagna? That's better leftover because it, it bases better, right? It, it just kind of does what marinates or whatever it does. All the jism gets in there. And uh, it does whatever it's supposed to. That's kind of a good thing. So we're going to be talking a little bit about Thanksgiving now. And I hope you have a blessed Thanksgiving. And I hope if you have a frown, you can turn that the other way. It'll be a smile. Did you know that? And uh, if you'll notify your face that it's okay to smile, it won't mind. It's tired of going the other way. So let's just think about it for a little bit. The Titanic had hit an iceberg. It didn't anticipate this, but it had happened. When it hit that iceberg, it would take two hours and 40 minutes to meet its demise in the depths of the waters. A lady had... Early on, after hitting the iceberg, she had run out toward the lifeboats and found one, and it hadn't been lowered into the water yet. And she said to the guy that was in charge of that boat, she said, oh, can I run back to my room real quick? I want to get something. Now, what do you think she went back to her room to get? Just think about it. You don't have to answer. Just think about it. What did she go to get? You've got something on your mind. What would you go get? She, she said, can I just go back to my room? And he said, I'll give you three minutes, three minutes. Everybody say three minutes. I'll give you three minutes to run back. So she ran back to her room. There was a jewelry box. She ignored that. There were clothes there. She ignored that. There were three oranges. She grabbed those. She raced back out to the boat. It was still there. It had not been lowered down. She got in and she said, I'm back. It's okay now. What is it that just a few minutes ago, an hour or two ago, she would have valued the jewelry way more than the oranges, the dresses way more than the oranges. But in this moment of desperation, guess what? This was a thing that meant the most. And the psalmist has had everything else shaken loose from him. And now he is prepared to write some very important insights. It's kind of like us moving past COVID. It's like us moving past arguments of masks or vaccines, or job regulations, 
or anything else in politics or even in sports that we might imagine. It's about us seeing the most important thing now. Not just all those things that might seem urgent. It's the important thing. And so Psalm 66 leads us to understand three expressions of thanksgiving which show us how to praise God in all of our living. You know, you can go to work and tell everybody that you go to Bethany Wesleyan Church. You can do that. We don't mind you doing that. But if when you go there, you don't act like a follower of Christ and you don't act like a nice person and all of that, maybe you want to put a caveat when you say, I go to Bethany Wesleyan Church. Maybe you want to just add this, and God is still working on me. He's got a lot to do. Because <laughs> if you go in there and tell them you go to Bethany Wesleyan Church and act like a jerk, and you're always petty, and if they mess things up and get them a little bit out of order, and you act like, act like that, don't tell them you go to Bethany Wesleyan Church. Just tell them you're still looking for a church. And you tried one, you, you, you tried one, you hope it helps, but don't tell them, you're, don't tell them you go here every week, because I wonder about this church. So no, we want to live a life that is a full life of expression of Christ. So like when Pastor Justin says a little bit ago, like the sun is raised, we are really sunbeams of Christ. When I was a kid, my grandma had a record, and uh, you don't know what that is, but some of you do. It, it was a thing that spun around, the needle landed on it, it, you could tell what somebody recorded. Yeah, it was a record, and she had a record player. You know what a record player, you ever seen, you, Bob, you know, yeah. And so there's a record player, a sunbeam, a sunbeam, Jesus wants me for a sunbeam. It's an old song way back in the dark ages at my grandma's house back in the 60s and 70s. But I remember hearing that and it was a beautiful song. And that's what we want to be. We want to be able to do that. So what are the three expressions that he talked about? First in verses one through three, look at this. Praise the Lord with your worship. And here's how this is demonstrated in this passage. Notice verse one, shout to the Lord. That's a raised voice. That is a triumphant sound. That is a sound of proclamation that is being offered here. Different cultures express different ways and that's okay. I have an appreciation for that. We don't want to put a lid on different cultures. You know what else? Right here among us, we have different temperaments right here. Some of you are melancholy, some phlegmatic, some are sanguine, some are choleric. We have all kinds of different blends of those personality types. So some of you are going to, you're going to express and emote and effuse all kinds of thoughts and emote. It doesn't matter if we're talking to you about football or if we're talking to you about, about something that you're passionate about, like maybe some dish you like from a restaurant. You're going to express that with a vivacious, maybe hand gestures. You're going to do that. Well, when you get really alive for Christ, you're going to carry that same persona into that. Some of you are three o'clock flat. And that's okay. And you come in here and you kind of, but the psalmist said, hey, I want you to shout to the Lord here. And we also in verse two, notice what it says. It says, sing to the Lord. Now in Psalm 150, we're in 66, but in 150, the last Psalm, it talks about different kinds of musical instruments. In verse three, it talks about a trumpet that could be like a cow's horn or a shofar, something like that. It also talks in verse four about a tambourine. It's talking about percussion. It's talking about stringed instruments there. In Genesis four, it talks about the harp, uses the word in the original, we would derive our word twang, like a plucking of a string. It's what it would do. It was the first instrument mentioned in the Bible is a harp. And also there are flutes mentioned in the Bible in, in Genesis 4 and 21. And then in verse 5 of Psalm 150, it talks about the crashing of the cymbals coming together and smashing. Here he says, use your voice to sing to the Lord. God loves reggae. He loves pop. 
He loves classical. He loves southern. He loves rock. He loves country. That's revelation to some, but he does. He loves all kinds. Psalm 150 says something else quite interesting. It said, lift your hands, and now it says, lift your voice. So in our praise team, our worship people in the church setting or any place, in a concert, whatever, they invite you to feel free to lift a hand. Our song today even invited us to lift our hand. When they invite us to do that, I know different temperaments are going to express different ways. But do you know what? The scripture is inviting us, actually instructing us to lift our hands. It is a sign of praise to lift our voice in praise. As a matter of fact, verse 6 in Psalm 150 says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I've wondered before if the crickets and the, you know, the cicada and all those guys, are they praising the Lord? I don't know if they are or not. I've wondered before when a bird was annoying me when I'm trying to sleep, it's up too early and it's singing. Is it singing a joyful song to the Lord, an annoying one to me, but a joyful one to the Lord? It could be. I don't know. Some have met the Lord when they've done that, but... It could be that it's, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Psalm 134 verse 2 says, lift your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. So people aren't nuts if they raise their hands. As a matter of fact, one of the root words that would be used for the word praise is actually lift your hands. That's what it means. It means to lift your hands. When we see somebody walking across a parking lot and we're a long way away, we might want them to see us so we wave our hand in a gesture to them. Have you ever waved? If you have, say yes. So when we come into a church, we may feel a long way from God, but sometimes when we lift our hand, it brings us in closer proximity to him, doesn't it? It brings a receptivity of our heart and our expression, and God begins to work in our life. And then it says shout, it says sing, but it also says in verse 3 of chapter 66 of Psalm, it says say to the Lord, Come and see what the Lord has done. Verse 6, he turned the sea into dry land. That's the local nations he's talking about. In verse 7, he watches the nations. That's talking about the global interests that God has. So God is aware of every nation. He's aware of, of everything that's going on around the whole world. John Glenn, when he went up in the shuttle discovery, he said to look on the creation out here and not believe in God is to me impossible. It just strengthens my faith. So the psalmist said, shout, sing, and say to the Lord. And then there's another expression that we're invited to consider in verses 9 through 12. It said, praise the Lord in your daily walk. Praise the Lord in your daily walk. In verse 9, it says, he has saved you. He has saved you. Remember what has happened to you. Scott O'Grady, when he was shot down over the Bosnian sky, said, he said, I opened my heart to God's love on the way down, coming into enemy territory as he scrambled towards some sort of hiding as he was able to hide for six days until he was rescued. He said it was like a spiritual retreat for him. He said, I had already begun to do business with God before I was shot down. Then I was shot down. I continued by opening my heart. He said three things mattered. Number one is faith in God. Number two is love of family and friends. And number three was good health. But more importantly than that, God has saved every one of us who have called on his name, confessing our sin, and we have found the forgiveness of sin. He has washed us clean, the scripture says, by the renewing of our mind. He has transformed us and is making us more and more like Christ. We have been born again, and we are changed into his likeness. This is absolutely amazing, and it's a big deal. And the psalmist knows it and says, praise the Lord in your daily walk because he has saved you. Sometimes we do good and do well to remind ourselves, hey, remember, Kev, he saved you. 
he saved you. And then there's something else he says here in verse 10 to 12. He says, he has developed you. Over the last few months, most people I've talked to would say their life has been different or touched or impacted in some way. They're not the same. COVID has done its thing. And many people have been scared and many people have been sick and some have died. But many of us have not. And many have lived well. And many have done very, very well. It's amazing how it affects people differently, isn't it? But here he says in verses 10 through 12, he says, starting out in 10, you nearly destroyed us. They were locked up. They were put away. They were enslaved. They were all of this stuff. We think about all the things that have happened to us. And some of you maybe has been some sort of a sickness or maybe it's been some sort of a job situation. Maybe some of you, it has been some sort of a relationship matter. You've been dealing with this kind of thing. Maybe it's your schooling or some sort of educational pursuit, some way like that. But go to verse 12. Look at verse 12 of your passage. It says, here's why we're praising. You have brought us to a place of abundance. When Pam and I moved out with our family from Calvary, Wesleyan, and Bethlehem, we moved to Kansas, to Olathe, Kansas. And it's a beautiful place and area and a nice place to live. But I was like a fish out of water in home turf. It did not work. It wasn't where we were supposed to be. When I look back on my life, we sang the song a while ago, all my life you have been faithful. And I'm looking at that part of my life and I'm saying the faithfulness of God carried me whenever I felt like God was a million miles from me. I did not feel him close. It was not fun. It was a fish out of water experience. But verse 12 says, you hold on in those times and he brings you to a place of abundance. And some of you need to know that whether you're in a place of lack or moving toward a place of plenty, God supplies the place of abundance. And he has brought better days into my life. And I thank him for that. And I believe he can do that for you as well. He can strengthen you even when your knees are feeble and your faith is faint. He gives strength to the weary and he gives healing to the brokenhearted and he can set the captives free. I know he can do this and he can do this for you. I know you're not deaf, but I'm excited. Live out your faith every day. Some of us, we get just a little bit cranky in our life if we're not careful. Nobody in this service, but first service, you should see that. <laughs> That's what I told them about you. <laughs> Bunch of people, I love you. <clears throat> and sometimes it's easy to forget. And like the psalmist, we need to be reminded. And something has jerked them into attention. Mother Teresa took several of her sister friends out into the streets of Calcutta. And while they were there, they found four people who were sick. And one was near death. Teresa said, I will take the one near death. You guys take care of the others. So she took her back to the convent. And she got her appropriately clothed and put her in a bed and was tucking her in. And the lady said to her, just simple words. She said, thank you. And then she smiled. You may feel like life has passed you by and worse than useless. But you can, like that lady, 
look up into the face of your Creator and say thank you and throw a smile and let God minister to your heart. My grandpa Boone had a stroke. It had been a stroke that had hurt him and had knocked the soup out of him physically. He could not talk as plainly as he wanted to. And I remember he was able to come to church and he sat back four rows. I sat over there, third row. He's over here, fourth row in the center. And I remember when a song was being sung at the church by some singers, everybody in the crowd is seated and they're singing. I don't need to understand. I just need to hold his hand. I don't ever need to ask the reason why. For I know he'll make a way through the night and through the day. I don't need to understand. I just need to hold his hand. And I caught some motion out of the corner of my eye, and I looked back, and it was my grandfather. He was standing up, hands in the air, couldn't talk plain, tears running down his face. He was giving thanks to God. Something has caused this psalmist to say, remember, he has saved you. He has steadied you. And even through trials, he has developed you. And then there is a third area, and that is this. Praise the Lord in your witness. Verse 13 through 20 is where I see this. We witness through our works. Pastor Justin spoke about it a little bit ago, faith and works. And in their time, they, one of the works they would do is bring in their sacrifice of animals to the temple. It was an act of worship. We don't do that now, thankfully. Christ is our perfect sacrifice, but we still do acts of worship, and we participate in worship. But let me digress and meddle just a little bit. May I meddle? If I may, please say yes. yes. I was going to anyway, <laughs> but I thank you for your permission. Here it, here it is. We think of works commonly of setting up tables or sacking up chairs like Tim Hawkins says, or we think about wiping down tables, or we think about maybe cooking a meal and taking it to our neighbor at Thanksgiving or bringing in the clothing items. But I want to talk about another kind of work. It is an invisible work, but yet it is very real and it impacts everyone greatly. And this would be our attitudes. Our attitudes make a big old difference. How we approach the day, how we approach the life that we are called to live. Our attitudes are going to make a huge difference. You determine, large part, what your attitude will be. You'll either be a person that has a good attitude about things, or you'll be a person that maybe dials it down, takes a neutral attitude, which really is saying something, and then you can have a negative. You can either turn the light on in the room, or you can turn the light off in the room. When I was a kid, developing my life and all of that, as a teenager, they used to say to me, Kevin, you turn a light off, or you turn a light on when you walk into a room. You have power over that. You do that. And I remember personally realizing that I did have that influence. I could turn the light on. I could turn the light off just by the emoting of my attitude and emotion. And I began to realize that was something that was real, though invisible, cannot be weighed or measured. And you have the power to do similarly. It's absolutely amazing, isn't it? I remember years ago reading from one of my mothers. She had a magazine. She used to get a guidepost magazine. And there was a story of a family. It was a lady telling her side of the story, the mother, telling the story. Their family was going to take a hiking trip. They were going to go hiking, and they were all excited about it. They'd been planning on it for some time, and now uh, the day was coming for them to go. They had everything ready, all their gear ready, everything ready, and they had their, their meals all ready, and they were ready, but it was misting, drizzling, a little bit rainy outside. 
And man, that rubbed her the wrong way. She didn't appreciate that one bit. And she got unsettled and upset about that. And she began to complain about this and that. Well, it's going to mess with my hair. Uh, the sandwiches are going to get soggy. We're all going to get our clothes wet. It's going to be a bad day. And she said, as we were walking down that path and going down that path every little bit, I was just realizing, man, I am complaining, complaining, like a lightning bolt from heaven, though it wasn't a real one, but like a lightning bolt came down and nailed her and said, you are just ruining this day for your family. And she said, I was the last one in the line of my family walking along, and I just knelt down right where I was, and I said, God, forgive me for having a rotten attitude. Help me to do better. And she chose to turn her attitude to not complain. You have that power. You have that power. Witness through your works. Witness through your words, he says here. Look at verse 16. Let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Medical missionary tells the story of going into India some years ago and into a particular area of India to do eye procedures on patients there. People would come to this clinic and this, this guy would do all kinds of procedures and people that were not able to see, he would remove cataracts, he would do all kinds of stuff and he was helping person after person with their eyes and they were able to see. But he noticed something. As they would leave, they wouldn't say thank you. Nobody thanked him. He finally went to some of the people that were from there and he says, why does no one express gratitude here? And they said to this missionary, they don't have the words thank you in their vocabulary. It's not in their vocabulary. They don't say thank you. It's not something they do. What they will say to you is this, I will tell your name. I will tell your name. What that means is I'm going to walk out of here and tell other people, that doctor, that name did this procedure on me, and now I can see. I used to be blind, but now I see. They will tell the name. And you and I were one day blind in our sins and transgression, did not know our Creator, but now He has removed the scales from our eyes, and we can see. And as children of the light, we need to be able to tell others about the name. It is the name Jesus, the name above every other name, the name that can set anyone free and can forgive and can give life to everyone. There was a fellow some years ago over here, not that far from here in Hanover, who had suffered a burn on a large part of his body. And he had to have skin graft from the better parts of his body, but they didn't want to take too much because they'd create too many more injuries on him. And so they harvested skin from people that were passing away that had allowed their bodies to be harvested. And so they were bringing that. And a reporter asked him, he said, do you think about those people that gave you the opportunity to live? They were leaving this world and let you stay in this world. He said, I can't go there. I can't think about them. The psalmist says, I want you to think about the one, God, who has done so much for you. I want you to tell about him. Sing it, say it, shout it. I want you to allow it to happen through your witness. I want you to allow it to happen through your works. I want you to let it happen through your walk. Let it happen every day. Now, go, please, to Psalm 66 and look with me. Each of us want to remember this. 
Notice the object of the praise. Look at verse 1. Let's consider the object. Shout with joy to God. Verse 3. Say to God. Verse 5. Come and see what God has done. Verse 8. Praise our God. You see in the common commonality here? The object, of course, is God. Verse 16, come and listen to see what he, that's talking about God, has done. Verse 20, praise be to God. He has done great things. He is our Lord. He is our creator. So when you sit around the Thanksgiving table, you don't necessarily want to sit there long after you're all seated and the meal is prepared and warm and nice, smelling so good, and you're thinking about eating and everybody's hungry and ready. You might just take one quick little second don't preach a message. Don't give a long devotional. Three points in a poem. Leave it at home. No, not that. But here's what you could do. Everybody tell something you're thankful for. Just one thing you're thankful for. It may be funny. It may be serious. But you can tell one thing you're thankful for. And I guarantee you, it'll begin to lift the room. It'll begin to lift your spirit. It'll begin to put your thoughts where they need to go for the day and not your thoughts on things that are wrong. We can do this every one of us. Lord, we thank you for the name that is above every name. That name, Jesus, that sets a captive free, takes us from who we were, and through your own love and mercy, calls us to yourself and makes us who we can be through your touch. We praise you. We worship you. We love you. We count it a privilege to know you and to worship you and to call your name out loud. So we do that today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.